This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. A gentle breeze wanders through a field of yellow flowers. The sun is high and the sky is clear. It's 2010 in North Dakota, and another eternal summer is well on its way. By all accounts, it's paradise. But not to the troop of researchers looking out across the field with surgical masks. Cindy Sagers, a graduate professor at the University of Arkansas, stares at her samples, already labeled as hazardous inside test tubes, the words infection and outbreak creep into her mind as she orders her team back to the vans. Sagers came to this patch of canola flowers with her team to study the weeds across the Peace Garden State. But she and her team didn't find any weeds. They were all dead. All they found were these healthy canola flowers. Although they look like any other flower, this species contained a mutant gene that mutilated weed growth. But this field wasn't for scientific testing. They didn't expect to find mutant genes in the middle of a field in North Dakota. One year and 3,000 miles later, Sagers and her team discovered that 86% of the North Dakota canola flowers used for canola oil and human consumption had been genetically modified, some even in their second generation of mutation. This wasn't just an outbreak. This was an epidemic. Conspiracy? Maybe. Coincidence? Maybe. Complicated? Absolutely. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, the podcast where we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps us. I'm Carter Roy. I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes, the official version is the truth. Ah, but sometimes, it's not. This is our second and final episode on the conspiracy theories surrounding GMOs, or genetically modified organisms. 
Last week, we covered the official story of GMOs, the history of this budding science, and where this technology is taking us in the future. This week, we'll be discussing the unofficial stories that surround genetic engineering with three main theories and one wildcard theory. Conspiracy theory number one. Are mainstream scientists distorting facts to silence the discoveries of non-GMO activists? Conspiracy theory number two. Are massive biotech companies like Monsanto controlling the GMO market and allowing dangerous products to be released to the public? Conspiracy theory number three. Are the organisms scientists modify causing major environmental damage and spreading viruses around the planet? And the wildcard theory. Are GM crops being used for mass mind control? As you may recall, GMOs are organisms that have been genetically modified in a lab to achieve a specific and often controversial result. This is done by adding and removing strands of DNA to change genes. Biotech companies have capitalized on this science and are currently modifying our food supply to customize crops to our needs. Here, AP correspondent Sandy Kozel describes some of the variety of this new science. Cancer-fighting pink pineapples, heart-healthy purple tomatoes, you may someday find those on grocery shelves alongside more traditional products. These genetically engineered foods could receive government approval in coming years, following the okay given to apples that don't brown and potatoes that don't bruise. The companies behind those foods are hoping customers will be attracted to health benefits and overlook concerns about genetic engineering. Critics say there should be more thorough regulation of modified foods, which are grown from seeds engineered in labs. The hope is that GMOs and genetic engineering can provide a cleaner future for our agricultural processes, offer a solution to our rising food crisis, reduce diseases, and even solve environmental problems like global warming. In over 900 studies, scientists have found no connection between GMOs and diseases of any kind. The only study that did link GM corn to cancer was Seralini's rat study. Covered last week, this study showed that 70% of rats that ate GM maize died prematurely. But this study has since been retracted and the results discredited by the scientific community. By all accounts, GMOs are safe. At least that's the official story. Unofficially, the dangers of GMOs are much more frightening. Activists around the globe see GMOs as a horrifying new science that mixes viruses, bacteria, and even poisons into our foods. They believe that GMOs are a cash grab by major corporations like Monsanto to monopolize the food industry, even to purposely harm the general health of the public. But pro-GMO scientists and anti-GMO activists can't both be right. During this next portion of the podcast, I will be presenting the details of each theory, and Molly will be providing the factual context and comparisons to the official story. We'll both poke holes in each conspiracy theory, and then we'll determine if there's enough evidence for the theory to be believable. So, without further ado, conspiracy theory number one. Modern scientists are distorting facts and studies to silence the discoveries of non-GMO activists. 
The war over GMOs has been waging for generations, with both scientists and activists poking holes in each other's stories. But lately, the rhetoric in support of non-GMO groups is growing lesser. It seems that whenever activists find new dangers in GMOs, they are quickly washed away by the studies of mainstream scientists. As you may recall, dozens of organizations and scientists are betting on this science to be the solution to world hunger and other problems. But are the financial opportunities of this new science enough to make mainstream scientists blind to the potential dangers of GMOs? One of the best examples of this came in our teaser with Sager's discovery of mutant canola flowers in North Dakota. GMOs spread to 86% of the canola flowers, but scientists told her there was little danger to her findings. On a genetic level, this was true. The new hybrids were not necessarily a dangerous species to the environment and for consumption. But Sagers and her team were less concerned about the hybrid canola spreading and more concerned that corporations were not monitoring their GM seed. Sagers reaffirmed her concerns in 2010, but there has been no response to their claims and no legal action has been taken to restrict the distribution of GMOs. To corporations, the danger is minimal. They don't see how a few modified genes among hundreds should be cause for alarm. But Sagers and other activists are looking more at the theoretical concern of these spreading seeds, not the immediate dangers. These first strains are safe to the environment, but if they evolve in the wild, we will have no way to regulate the mutations. In theory, they could become more invasive or even toxic. Theorists worry that in the noble pursuit of solving problems, scientists may be moving too fast. That said, the targeting of anti-GMO language has only gotten more severe in recent years. In 2018, an anti-GMO ad was released by Stonyfield Yogurt that featured children calling GMOs monstrous and voicing their concerns about genetic engineering. Within hours of its posting, hundreds of GMO advocates and corporations lambasted the advertisement for perpetuating false ideas about agriculture and genetic engineering. Stonyfield responded to the backlash within a few hours, calling its critics trolls and proceeding to direct people to the Just Label It Foundation. But there was a problem with that. The Just Label It Foundation was founded by Gary Hirschberg, the same founder behind Stonyfield Yogurt. So when he was sending people to the Just Label It website, he was actually sending his audience right back to his own sources. More trolls criticized this observation, but Gary Hirschberg did not comment. Nevertheless, it's moments like this that non-GMO activists point to when they say their voices are being silenced. The only science anti-GMO activists do have is the work of Gilles Eric Seralini. As you may recall, Seralini is a French geneticist who studied the effect GM maize has on rat health. He found that 70% of rats that ate GM maize died prematurely of cancer. But three years after his publication, the scientific community realized he was using rats that were 80% more likely to develop cancer on their own, and his work was retracted by the magazine that printed it. But here is where it gets strange. Mainstream scientists took three years to debunk his findings. We can't help but wonder what took scientists so long. 
Since Seralini, there have been no studies that link GMOs to health risks around the globe. But activists don't think scientists have run enough tests to ensure that GMOs are safe. One of the strongest arguments to their case involves the labeling of GMOs inside grocery stores. They believe more labeling should be allowed, but corporations refuse to do so. As reported by Fox News, 90% of Americans favor the mandatory labeling of GM foods across the country, but no steps are being taken to address these concerns. Here, AP correspondent Sandy Kozel describes the perspective held by most anti-GMO activists. Currently, the Food and Drug Administration doesn't require labeling of genetically modified foods, saying those on the market are safe. Consumer advocates backing labeling say shoppers have a right to know what is in their food, arguing not enough is known about their effects. But corporations don't see it as such a simple argument. They claim that adding a label to foods would drastically increase the price of our food items. It doesn't seem like adding another label to the outside of a cereal box would drastically affect the prices in our grocery stores, but the price would actually be generated by the additional administration and testing that each product would experience as a result of the labeling, a setback that many anti-GMO activists would be happy to see. Pro-GMO scientists bring their own argument to the battle. They believe that GMOs are virtually identical to other crops, barring a few mutant proteins. To them, adding labels would only be stirring the pot of consumer fear and confusion. It's a difficult discussion, and one that is made even harder by the technical language that accompanies GMOs. With careful verbiage, scientists and non-GMO activists can actually present seemingly opposite versions of the truth and both be correct. Language can be just as misleading as statistics. The best example of this comes with the debate on poison. One of the major concerns held by non-GMO activists is that corporations are inserting poisons into our foods. From a certain perspective, this is true. Poisons are being put into many GMO crops. But these poisons are not toxic to humans. They are specifically engineered to target insects. It's a little bit like chocolate and dogs. To us, chocolate is delicious, but to dogs, it's toxic. When it comes down to it, poison is really a perspective of species. But we don't think about that when we read a headline that says, quote, new GMOs contain poison, as the non-GMO project has shared. But the strategic wordplay is used by both sides. When a corporation puts a GMO-free label on their product, they can be misleading, as virtually anyone can market their product this way. Certified organic and nutritional content are labels that are well-regulated, but there is no company responsible for regulating the labels of GMOs. Some labeled crops are 100% GMO-free, while others are only thought to be GMO-free by the farmers that grow them. It quickly becomes a semantics battle, no matter which way you look at it and it's opened the door for both sides to poke holes in each other's argument. A great example of this was Monsanto's propaganda videos in the late 90s. As you may recall, Monsanto ran an ad campaign in Europe to stop the spread of the anti-GMO movement. They were trying to open the minds of Europeans, but Europe saw it as ingenuine, and it actually added fuel to the fire of the anti-GMO movement. But this is a confirmed example of a corporation targeting the anti-GMO movement for their own gain. 
And this isn't even the first time we've seen something like this in the food industry. Frequent listeners might recall our episodes on the conspiracies surrounding sugar and saturated fat. In the 60s, sugar companies paid scientists to blame fatty foods for health issues, and scientists actually took the bribe. It seems possible that a similar pattern is happening here. So, where do you stand on the plausibility scale on this one, Carter? Mm, I give this theory a solid 8 out of 10. Scientists and corporations are targeting anti-GMO narrative and trying to poke holes in their theories. They're even sending out ad campaigns to nullify anti-GMO movements. If they are spending millions on ads, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to assume they are trying to put a wrap on the anti-GMO movement. That said, they are targeting anti-GMO sources with genuine facts and trying to explain the science, whereas activists are often twisting the facts to push their narratives. Nutritional science is an immensely complicated issue, and our understanding of it changes frequently. I think both sides can agree that more transparency on these issues is the best way forward, and the only way toward common ground. I agree. But this is just the start to the curious theories surrounding GMOs. Our next theory is just as plausible and spirals around what activists call, quote, the most evil company in the world. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now, back to conspiracy theories. GMOs have historically been at the center of intense scientific debate. Unfortunately, monetary agendas and fear-mongering have prevented the public from objective, straightforward studies. The conspiracy opens even wider when you look at the companies that distribute these crops. This brings us to our second major conspiracy theory. Massive biotech companies like Monsanto are recklessly avoiding regulation and potentially putting dangerous products on the market. You may remember Monsanto is something of a cultural boogeyman. Over the last decade, people's attitudes toward Monsanto have ranged from bad to pure hatred. Protests, talk shows, and social media platforms label this Missouri-based company as, quote, the most evil company in the world. But why do so many people hate this company? Well, there are a few reasons. To start this discussion, we need only turn to the people of this multi-billion dollar property. Since its inception in 1901, many of the employees of Monsanto 
have held office in other health organizations and even the federal government. Theorists believe agents of Monsanto are being snuck into the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, to approve dangerous products. Allegedly, their goal is to push more Monsanto products into the world market for financial gain. And it's this same greed that's covering up the dangers of GMOs. Theorists believe the risks of GMOs are being pushed aside for Monsanto's agenda. The best support for this notion comes in the career of American lawyer Michael R. Taylor. Taylor worked as a private law official for the Monsanto Company from 1981 to 1991. There, he built up his career and, allegedly, his allegiance to Monsanto. But in 1991, his career took a sharp turn. He left law behind to pursue food inspection at the FDA, where he was appointed the role of Deputy Commissioner for Policy, a role that previously did not exist. Why he turned away from his legal background is unclear, but what we do know is that he became much more involved in approving foods for the general public through the FDA. In 1992, he worked to improve the standards of meat and poultry production. However, in 1994, Taylor was accused of a conflict of interest. He was in the process of approving RBST for farms, a cow hormone that increases milk production. Someone at the FDA noticed he was streamlining protocol and stopped him. The FDA is supposed to be an entirely neutral party that protects the public from dangers in our food systems. They are supposed to block corporations like Monsanto from putting dangerous products on the market. But Taylor was attempting to push this product's approval through the FDA with minimal testing. Additionally, RBST is not just any hormone. It's a product that Monsanto was hoping to produce and sell the same year Taylor was approving it. Theorists believe that Taylor was working on behalf of Monsanto to streamline this product's approval through the FDA. Although Taylor was defended by many colleagues at the FDA, he was ultimately asked to remove himself from any association with the hormone and two years later, in 1996, he left the FDA altogether. And just like that, Taylor's career in food policy was put on hold. He returned to Monsanto as the Vice President of Public Policy. Mm, but this odd trade between the FDA and Monsanto happened again with Michael Taylor 13 years later in 2009. Taylor returned to the FDA as a senior advisor, where he remains today. It definitely raises eyebrows for activists when they see a GMO distributor and the FDA working so closely. If Taylor was the only one, it might have been a fluke. But the website Global Research has a long list of FDA employees and government officials with connections to Monsanto, including Mitt Romney, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama. It would be impossible to work through the whole list, as this is an iceberg of conspiracy theories. But let's take a look at a few of them. On this list, Mitt Romney has the strongest ties to the biotech giant. As you may recall, the 80s was a big moment for the Monsanto company. They switched from producing deadly chemicals like Agent Orange to biotechnology and Roundup-ready soybeans. But this sudden shift didn't just come out of nowhere. 
1973, Monsanto was advised by the Boston-based consulting firm Bain to make the switch. They were close partners, and the success of Monsanto's biotech achievements are due in part to this firm. Just as Monsanto was switching over, who was the bright-eyed new employee at Bain? You guessed it, Mitt Romney. He worked closely with Monsanto for many years, so closely that in 2007, Monsanto began to consult with Romney directly, bypassing Bain entirely. We don't know the details of those meetings, but we do know that both Monsanto and Romney flourished as a result. Monsanto took its place as an agribusiness titan, and Romney founded his first investment firm, Bain Capital. Trading money and whispering in each other's ears, it sounds like lobbying to me. It does. And they're still on good terms today. Romney even chose Monsanto employees to be a part of his agriculturist committees in his presidential primaries. But, as we mentioned, Romney is not the only one. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are also on the list because their decisions on legislation have directly affected Monsanto's business. Most notably, their approval of the Farmers Assurance Provision, or as critics call it, the Monsanto Protection Act. The legal language here is a little dense, but we will keep it simple. Essentially, if a GMO crop required additional tests, this provision allowed farmers to keep growing that crop while it was being tested. The goal was to protect farmers. With GMO dangers being reviewed every day, farmers were being asked to abandon their GM crops mid-season. But critics argued that this provision allowed evil mutant plants to stay in the soil. And what made matters worse, Monsanto was the consulting company on this provision. This legislation was only in effect for six months and ended in 2013. But theorists say it was enough time for Monsanto to cash in on a mutant strain of soybeans in Hawaii. However, this is only speculation. Now, just because Obama and Clinton approved the farmer's assurance provision doesn't automatically make them accomplices in a secret underground network of food spies, but the connections are there. Monsanto's website states the company strictly forbids its employees from bribing the government, but it doesn't say anything about lobbying. And isn't that what a super company would say if they were trying to push products through the FDA as fast as possible? I suppose they would. Monsanto does have a significant reach on the world's market. They currently provide over 100 countries worldwide with GMOs and dominate the GMO seed market. Now they claim their crops only account for 5% of the world's supply, but this language comes from their own site. A look inside the numbers tells a different story. Of the top two crops grown in the United States, corn and soybeans, 80% of GMO corn seed and 93% of GMO soybean seeds are Monsanto patented products. Monsanto is a corporation that is dominating the genetically modified agriculture industry, and conspiracy theorists believe they're doing so by lobbying and placing their employees in positions of power. But is this dominance leading them to release dangerous products to the public? Last week, we talked about Monsanto's strange acquisition of the Flavor Saver tomato back in 1997. This was the first commercial GMO for human consumption, and Monsanto acquired this fruit to use as their own. 
But the flavor saver was not the only questionable product. In 1998, Monsanto acquired a mysterious soybean seed invented by Delta Pine and Land Company of Mississippi. Delta Pine's seed was unique in that it only propagated once. In other words, the seed was sterile and only produced fruit for one season. To Monsanto, this was a fascinating technology. With this seed, they would be able to contain their GMOs. If the seed only grew for one season, it wouldn't mutate outside of their farms. If anything, it would make other species sterile. Monsanto bought Delta Pine to acquire the seed and announced they had the power to restrict their products to the public. But farmers didn't see it this way, not even close. They saw this new technology as oppression. They would be forced to buy new seeds from Monsanto every year to produce the same crops. And what's worse, if these seeds cross-pollinated with natural strains, Monsanto would own the new hybrids too. Farmers genuinely believed that the introduction of the seed would ruin modern agriculture and nicknamed the seed the Terminator as a result. They took to the streets with marches and talks and in 1998, the same year the Terminator was announced, the seed was abandoned. The British government ruled against the Terminator at the Convention on Biodiversity and the seed was dismissed forever. Hot off this loss, Monsanto then entered into a legal battle in the very same year, a battle that lasted for six years and permanently cemented their label of bully in the modern world. In 1998, agents of Monsanto discovered a small canola farm was using their GM canola genes. They asked the farmer, Percy Schmeiser, to pay the licensing fee, but he refused. Schmeiser claimed that he never used their GMO seed in his crop. He said that any genes they might have found must have blown into his farm from an adjacent field. It's not a ridiculous claim. Many farmers experience cross-pollination with their neighboring fields. It's possible that GM crops were spreading across boundaries. Through six years of court trials, this case was brought to the Supreme Court of Canada on January 20, 2004. Some of the crucial facts of this case are still hotly debated today. Some people even believe Monsanto snuck the seeds into Schmeiser's farm themselves, but it is impossible to know for sure. What we do know is that on May 21, 2009, Monsanto won. Schmeiser was forced to pay the licensing fee, even if the wind was an accomplice. It was a win for Monsanto's patent office and strengthened their control over the market but it cost them hundreds of thousands in legal fees. It's safe to say this case was more about authority than the case itself. Either way, it was a drastic loss for their public image. Both the Terminator seed and this lawsuit showed activists that Monsanto was financially focused and had little regard for small farms. So whether or not GMOs are dangerous for consumption, they're influencing the environment in unexpected, unregulated ways. Monsanto's control of the seed patents and dominance in the GMO corn and soybean industry allows them to flex their influence even to unassuming farmers. And then we must consider their overall environmental impact with their current line of Roundup Ready GMOs. Because of their resistance to pesticides and herbicides, farmers are encouraged to spray their land more. This not only puts chemicals directly in the soil, 
but some theorists link the use of pesticides to colony collapse of honeybees. This is an environmental tragedy, and though the exact reason for the decimation of the honeybee has not been pinpointed, the continued and increased use of chemicals is certainly not beneficial for the soil. So how do we feel about Monsanto intentionally bypassing regulations to release dangerous GMOs on the plausibility scale? To me, this is a solid 6 out of 10. In the past, Monsanto has made major mistakes with cancer-causing chemicals. While there's nothing dangerous about GMO crops themselves, Monsanto's bullish stance on getting the products to production for financial gain has led to the company systemically ignoring potential environmental impact. Right. The financial focus of Monsanto is very disconcerting. Most businesses have a financial focus, but Monsanto's willingness to take a farmer to the Supreme Court points toward greed. Their central focus on profit prevents objective science from studying and refining this burgeoning technology. I actually think Monsanto is the reason many activists today have trouble accepting the benefits of GMOs. It's very difficult to trust a new science when the distributors behind that science are shady at best. Our last main conspiracy that we are covering in this podcast is easily the most controversial, and we did that on purpose. We'll be exploring the science experiments gone wrong and the GMOs that got away. These are strange stories that span continents and raise the question, could an unintentional byproduct of GMOs lead to global catastrophe? Our story will continue in a moment after the break. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Now our story continues. With every new scientific advancement, there are bound to be some mistakes, and GMOs are no exception. Although difficult to find, and even more difficult to prove, some genetically modified species have escaped the labs that were designed to hold them. This brings us to conspiracy theory number three. The organisms scientists are modifying are causing major environmental damages and even spreading viruses around the planet. To begin this conversation, we're going to have to step back into the 1950s. As you may recall, this was before the birth of genetic engineering, but not before the birth of GMOs. In Rio Claro, Brazil, an aspiring biologist named Warwick E. Kerr was working as a research postdoctorate investigating bees. He and his fellow students were exploring how bees pass down genetic information when he was commissioned by the Brazilian government to create a new species of bee. It's already starting to sound like a bee horror movie. A federal government hires a young scientist to develop a new species. 
Now, at the time, the European honeybee was the only honeybee in Brazil. It was genetically identical to its northern ancestors, but the heat of Brazil made these bees very lazy. They were described as lethargic and unmotivated. The objective was simple. Make a bee that was more productive. Not knowing a lot about genetic engineering, Kerr decided to mix the genes of the European honeybee with African genes of the same species. The logic was sound. This new bee would be accustomed to the warmer climates and produce as much honey as the European bee. At first, that's exactly what happened. The new species of bee was over twice as fast as the European honeybee, but also extremely defensive and territorial. The bee attacked its own hybrids and constantly expanded its empire. The documentation gets fuzzy here, but in 1957, a visiting beekeeper was asked to inspect the bees. While on his inspection, 26 swarms of the new Africanized bee were released into the wild. Whether the visiting beekeeper was involved with the release, or if it was an honest mistake, is still up for debate. Some theorists go as far as saying the visiting beekeeper released the bees on purpose, but that's only conjecture. Either way, since their release, these bees have become the number one most invasive species on the planet. By its definition, an invasive species is one that invades a new territory and causes economic or environmental harm. And Africanized bees are the very top. They were first discovered in America back in 1985 in San Francisco, and they have since worked their way across half of America, stretching from California to Florida. Today, they are still just as competitive and aggressive as they were before. For the listener's comfort, these bees don't attack humans and are not stronger than other bees, but they're very detrimental to other bee species. But GMOs have had more than one escape artist. For this next example, we will have to look at a biotechnology company in the United Kingdom called Oxitec. Oxitec's main focus is insect control through the use of genetically engineered mosquitoes. On their website, they outline their plan to reduce mosquito-borne diseases and reduce the chances of outbreaks like malaria and yellow fever. But many theorists claimed in 2009 the opposite came true. During this time, Oxitec developed a mosquito that was dependent on the antibiotic tetracycline to live. The hope was to build a mosquito that killed other mosquitoes through a genetic poison. They released the first batch of 3.3 million mosquitoes into the Cayman Islands in 2009, and it was a success. The mosquito population declined by 80%. In 2011, they released another sample in Brazil. This trial was also a success. 95% of the mosquito population died. But then, the trial suddenly stopped. Another trial was scheduled for 2016 in Florida, but it never happened. This was in part because an epidemic developed in Brazil a few years after their trial. In 2015, out of seemingly nowhere, Zika virus infections increased tenfold in Brazil. The Zika virus is a disease that affects pregnant women. If infected, their children are born with unusually small heads and mental problems. And one of the only ways Zika spreads is through mosquitoes. A Reddit user was the first theorist to connect the two, 
and voiced their concerns over the Oxitec mosquito. They claimed that a sudden increase in the Zika disease in the testing site of Oxitec was a strange coincidence. Oxitec was examined and officially, no proof linked their company to the sudden Zika outbreaks in South America. Some theorists claim these reports were falsified or that Oxitec is straight out lying, but we'll never know for sure. Although this instance still remains a mystery, Africanized bees are a clear example of GMOs affecting our world. It's reasonable to assume GM crops are potentially behaving the same way. Especially with the canola flowers in North Dakota and the GMO crops that invaded Percy Schmeiser's farm. These are some of the cases we know about, but other experiments could be spreading too. Looking at the plausibility of this last main theory, we would give the spread of viruses and diseases from GMOs an 8 out of 10. History shows that some mistakes have been made in the past, and the likelihood of more mistakes in the future is probable. With concrete evidence of GMO spreading and influencing the world in unforeseen ways, it's hard not to give this theory some credit. That said, it's very rare to see a mistake like this. We had to dig to find many of the examples of GMO escapees. Now more than ever, scientists are aware of the possible dangers of GMO technology, and they're taking precautions to prevent any mistakes in the future. Before we let you go, we want to throw one last wildcard theory your way, for your entertainment. Although there is little truth to support this theory, it's fascinating to see how far imaginations can wander when it comes to new technologies. Our wildcard theory? Are GM crops being used for mass mind control? Mind control of the masses is a common theme in conspiracy theories. From fluoride to chemtrails, whenever a mass technology is made available to the public, skeptics are quick to postulate the dangers. And GMOs are no different. Let's look at the science first. On a chemical level, the foods we eat do affect our brains. Harvard Health published an article in 2015 that described processed foods and refined sugars as low premium fuel for our minds. They don't stop our brains, but they aren't the best fuels for our bodies. Refined sugar and processed foods have also been connected to mood swings and greater chances of depression by changing the chemical balance inside our bodies. Documentaries like Super Size Me have been reporting the dangers of processed foods for years. But these are refined sugars and processed foods. GMOs are not a chemical modification. As we discussed last week, GMOs are a change in the genetic proteins of an organism. Scientists don't add chemicals to GMOs. A GMO contains a few foreign proteins, but nothing else. It's not possible for a GMO to contain extra sugar or fat unless scientists put them into the crop themselves. This is where the verbiage gets important. In theory, scientists could modify a crop to include more sugars or fats, and those foods could affect our moods. But it wouldn't be any more drastic than eating refined sugar. Even so, this would be a case of many ifs. If scientists develop a crop that had additional sugars, and if that crop refined those sugars the same way we refine sugar, and if that crop was approved by the FDA, then it's possible that a tomato could make you depressed. But that's a stretch. In order for a GMO to control our minds, 
it would have to affect the genes in our cells, and GMOs can't do that. GMOs don't mutate inside a species. The idea of a tomato entering our bodies and mutating is simply not possible. It's not even scientific. There is no random code in a GMO that reacts with human cells. That would be some sort of cancer in a jar that doesn't exist. GMOs are designed to only affect the genetics of their own species. A GM cucumber may make the next generation larger, but it's not going to modify humans. That is, thankfully, science fiction. For this theory, we're going to have to give it a 1 out of 10 on the plausibility scale. GMOs could chemically change our minds and invoke mood swings, but they can't control our minds. Although this is another one of those gray areas, without getting too existential, what is mind control? Is a mood swing enough of a change to be considered mind control? That's a good question. But I think we both can agree the danger here is minimal. If we don't consider eating processed sugar as mind control, we can't hold GMOs up to that level. There is one more side to the mind-altering discussion, and this one is even further off the map. Some very radical theorists believe that apart from mind control, GMOs can lead to mindlessness and ultimately a zombie outbreak. That sounds pretty far into left field. It does, but several news outlets have publicly commented on the threat of a zombie outbreak as a result of GM crops. And like all good theories, there is a seed of truth here. Theorists point to one strange coincidence that happened in India during the 1980s. During this time, Monsanto was developing GM tomato farms for human consumption. At the same time, the rate of Indian farmer suicides also increased slightly in the area. Allegedly, and we really mean allegedly, some of those farmers' deaths were actually a result of human mutation. Radical theorists conjectured that these early Monsanto tomatoes were infected with extra levels of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin to work as extra preservatives. But these chemicals also had drastic effects on the human mind, turning farmers into mutants of their former selves before they died. However, this is unrealistic at best. Although there was a rise in suicide rates, there's any number of social and political issues that could have been responsible for this increase. And as the years have gone by, and GM production has rapidly increased across India, Indian suicides have remained consistent. Besides, suicides seem like a sloppy cover-up if illegal testing was happening in India. If Monsanto was trying to manufacture dangerous products, the last thing they would want is the public eye digging into their research. I think this is simply a case of correlation, not causation. Zombies aren't even on the map when it comes to side effects of GMO technology. Even high levels of these chemicals couldn't turn humans into drones. We'll have to leave that for the bookshelves of science fiction. So what do you think? A one on the plausibility scale here too? If that. This one is a reach, no matter what angle you look at. But that hasn't stopped protests today that still see a connection between Monsanto and a possible zombie outbreak. I think if this discussion has shown us anything, it's that there are a lot of conflicting opinions surrounding GMOs. I agree. Regardless of where you stand on the issues of genetic engineering yourself, 
It's important to constantly look at the science from as many perspectives as we can. Understanding different viewpoints is the best chance we have at building a better future and a better understanding of this science. So which theory is the best explanation here? Well, the GMO escapees is a good one. And hearing the effect Africanized bees have had on America is shocking. It's wild to think what other species of plants and animals are growing out there. I was surprised by the strategic targeting of anti-GMO messages as well. I agree. But the best theory for me is Monsanto manipulating the market for GMOs to be released with minimal monetization. This theory has the right level of facts and motives to make it very probable. The political spin is also a fascinating element. Sure. Although GMO technology may be harmless, the corporations behind this new science need to be monitored and at times investigated to ensure our world health. So it's an ambiguous end here for GMOs. The issue remains immensely complicated, but one thing is for sure. This is a promising science, but like all new upstart technologies, its assimilation into our culture will take time and diligence and the bumpy road of its development will be ripe with speculation. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. If you want to hear more Conspiracy Theories, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. Tell us your favorite Conspiracy Theories on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for more Conspiracy Theories. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskind, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by Michael Herman and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.